Welcome to 2019. This month marks the beginning of the third year of Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Yep, I started this uh, show in January 2017. Uh, it's kind of an exercise in getting in front of the camera and microphone. My old radio days, I guess, bring me to this. Uh, talking about uh, me and my business and chatting with industry people. Uh, for the most part, you know, sometimes I talk with non-event or non-trade show people to get a different perspective and bring more folks into the mix just for fun. It's, if it's business related, I'll talk about it. Uh, I just posted a new article, by the way, at tradeshowguyblog.com about the last 10 years I've been blogging there. Uh, 10 years as of November 2008. Can't believe I've been doing this for 10 years, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so check out that article. Uh, and since we have a really great interview today, I'm going to get right to it. NAB Show Cares is a new program for NAB exhibitors, National Association of Broadcasters. Uh, to help them navigate and coordinate and, frankly, understand the various challenges and the accompanying costs to being an exhibitor at the annual National Association of a Broadcaster Show, which is held in Las Vegas every April. I connected with uh, B.J. Enright, the CEO and president of Trade Show Logic. Uh, that company works with shows uh, and exhibitors on a variety of fronts and worked with the NAB organizers to make exhibiting there better to understand what really is going on, what the pain points are, and how to fix some of those. Uh, during the conversation, the word transformative came up a few times, as you'll see. It's quite likely the NAB Show Cares program will be just that. Uh, fascinating stuff if you're in the industry, so uh, take a look, take a listen. I'd like to welcome BJ Enright, CEO and President of Trade Show Logic, to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Uh, I really appreciate it, uh, BJ, for spending some time with me. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. Great to be one of the, yeah, one of the things that I uh, uh, first of all, let's start with what's what's Trade Show Logic. Give me like the thirty second thumbnail sketch of what Trade Show Logic is. I know in the green room you kind of gave me a, a more full history, but uh, maybe just kind of an eye, uh, thirty thousand foot view of what that is. Trade Show Logic is an event solutions company. We are both a show management company and we have an in-house general contracting solution. Uh, there, that was concise. I like that. <laughs> there you go. Well, I could do either one, right? Yeah, I mean, well, you, could, you, could, you could spend five minutes talking about your company, I'm sure, without even batting an eye. So uh, one reason I wanted to talk to you, the main reason is I heard about this program called NAB Show Cares, and it got me curious to learn more. It sounds like something that's uh, new and maybe even groundbreaking and different. So what is NAB Show Cares? So NAB Show Cares is, is uh, an out, it, NAB Show Cares came out of uh, an engagement that NAB asked Trade Logic to be involved with. So Trade Logic, about two years ago, was hired by NAB because in response to their exhibitors and their exhibitor advisory committee and they well well nab was doing really great their attendance is great their exhibit space is great it's an amazing show yeah the, the exhibitors were saying you know our costs are too high and it's too hard to exhibit and they actually even said that it was easier for them to enter to exhibit internationally than it was for them to exhibit here domestically. Hmm. So NAB came to us and said that they felt like they needed to do something really transformative. Not This couldn't be just, you know, the same old, same old. This needed to be something where they were really going to change the economic environment of the show floor. And they and really, NAB wanted to do that, not just for NAB, but even to be a bit groundbreaking for the industry and tackle some of those you know, those old industry myths that, and things that we've done because it's just always the way that it's been done. Right. So, so it really started in response to uh, an outcry from the Exhibitor Advisory Committee. 
and and then uh, NAB asked us to do a lot of data analysis and talking to exhibitors. So we did a project for them where we analyzed all their order history from both their official and exclusive contractors, and then also we analyzed all the outside contractors and what business was really being done with exhibitor appointed contractors and uh, outside, you know, the official suppliers and also the unofficial suppliers. And I think that all that came as a big surprise to NAB. I don't think they really understood um, how important the exhibitor appointed contractor is to the exhibitor and what role they play and really how much business they have and how much they influence both the economics and the operations of the show floor. I think that was one of the big, the big findings there. But we, we took a very deep dive and analyzed all of the exhibitor ordering data from everything from material handling to rigging to hanging signs to catering to flowers to you name it. And, and then we, in speaking with the exhibitor advisory committee, we learned what were the biggest pain points for them. What, what were the things that they felt needed the biggest changes? And then we married that up with where were they spending the most money and which companies were spending the most money and what items were they spending the most money on? And you know, we so we had some really hardcore data related to all that. And then based on those two things, we actually went out to the wider exhibitor community and also the exhibitor appointed contractor community and then asked them so that we could validate really what were the services that they wanted to see change the most. And so then we ranked those top to bottom. We, we evaluated, um, I'd have to go back and look, but it was close to 30 different services, believe it or not. Mm. And, and then we ranked them from one to 30 based upon both what they spent the most on and then what was, had the largest pain points, the ones that they wanted us to fix the most. And so the top four ended up being material handling, um, electrical, hanging signs and rigging and internet. Those, Those were actually the top four. And so for NAB, because that show is got a lot of, cameras, gear, lighting, video, you know, so there, so it's no surprise that those services uh, fell into place where they did. Yeah. They're broadcasters. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, well, so, we so kind of in that priority order. So, yeah. so then what we did was we actually evaluated each of those and where the ordering was. We managed a multi contractor RFP process. So, so rather than allowing the, a single contractor to bid on everything. We broke up the main services and had them each bid separately so that everybody who bid needed to make money on the things that they were bidding on. And we only broke up for this particular project. We only broke up material handling, sign hanging and rigging, electrical, and then show, you know, decorating everything else. So, you know, tables, chairs, carpet, right. entrance units and all that. And, uh, and so, and then the other unique thing that we did with the RFP process was we predefined both the prices that we wanted to pay for the services and how we wanted to pay them, what the business rules we wanted to be surrounding each of those services. And then we said, hey, you can come in higher or you can come in lower, but this is really how we want to play. And then you can go back and see, and we're also open to hearing different ways if you don't like the ways that we've set forth and you think you have something that's more creative, bring it on. And, 
in, uh, and, and it was a great, it was a really, really great process. How, how long did that process take? I'm just curious from, from beginning to when you implemented it. It sounds like a, a pretty elaborate process. Yeah. It, you know, so we've been working with NAB for two years. I would say the whole, um, our, the data analysis and the interviews and, and the whole RFP process, that was probably an 18 month process. It doesn't have to be that long of a process. Part of the reason that it was, was because, you know, NAB is, 1,800 exhibitors, over a million square feet, 100,000 attendees. So they wanted to be really sure about the data. They wanted to really understand their show. So we did a pretty deep dive. Um, the data gathering and interviewing, that, that part alone probably took eight months, six to eight months. And now that doesn't have to be to that extreme. But um, NAB really wanted to understand their own show. And, and I will tell you, they do. They, they have a very excellent understanding of what their exhibitors are spending, and they have an excellent understanding of what they're spending. NAB Show Cares was born out of that. So here we created all these solutions, and, and some of them are a bit different. Probably the one that you've heard the most about is the material handling, right? Um, which we, we looked at everything from material handling. We looked at you know, per net square foot, we looked at time and material, we looked at per hundred weight, we looked at flat rates, we looked at, you know, any, anything that's ever been talked about before, we, we looked at it and we did the same thing with electrical and, and hanging signs and what have you. With, the, with material handling, the reason that we decided to, to go with a, a flat net square footage rate was because it kind of takes material handling out of the equation at that point. The exhibitors pay for it up front, they know exactly what it is. They can budget for it. It's part of their booth space. And the majority of exhibitors, over 90% of the, the uh, net square footage, I believe, if, that, if that's the right number, use material handling service. So now with electrical and some of the other sorts, like hanging signs and internet, that percentage isn't quite as high with the exhibitors that use that service. So it didn't make sense to have every single exhibitor use it. But but with material handling, the majority of the exhibitors, the vast majority of the exhibitors were using the service. And the ones that didn't, we felt like $3.85 a square foot, $385 per 10 by 10 was a super great rate. And so if you didn't use it before and you were carrying those boxes, you know, and going through the hardship of that, that $385, which shoot, you pay that much for an upgrade for an exhibit guide description sometimes, we felt like that was a pretty good value for that service. Uh, and interestingly, it also was kind of in the hunt with what Pack Expo charges. Hmm. And in order for us to validate that, because of our general contracting history, we actually did the math on what it would take, you know, when we came up with the rate that we requested originally in the RFP process, we did the math behind the scenes to figure out, you know, how much would it cost? What was a fair margin? What, how many men, you know, all that. We did all that math. So, so this was a very educated, knowledge-driven process. And that's probably the biggest one, but we did the same thing for hanging signs and internet. Um, what we found out with, well, internet we're still working on, hanging signs and electrical, what we found was exhibitors were really most concerned not about the rate for an electrical outlet, but for all the things that go along with it. And the same thing with hanging signs. They didn't want to pay for turnbuckles and zip ties and, 
you know, Crosby's and all kinds of things. They don't even know what they are and they didn't want to audit that. So, so what we did with those two services was we actually combined the floor work, the labor floor work with the price of an electrical outlet and then an extension cord that goes with that outlet. So that there will be no additional, we called it no hidden fees, electrical pricing. And then with hanging signs, we basically did the same thing. The crew includes all of the supplies that go along with a hanging sign. And then, and then what was already in place that we kept in place was that the hanging signs are on a blended rate because NAB is such an intense show in terms of what has to go in the ceiling and all the rigging and trust that have to be done that we didn't want the exhibitors to have to worry about whether they were on straight time or overtime because of scheduling and logistics. So that was something that was already in place and that stayed in place that that's just a blended rate. So no matter when you come in, you know what that is. And we just do, we just do the hanging signs when, and the rigging when it makes sense. Well, there's just a lot, a lot going on there. It's crazy. There's so much that you guys looked at and and what it seems like to me for the, from the exhibitor standpoint, uh, as you mentioned, there's, there's really no hidden fees. They know up front what they're going to pay. If they have a 10 by 10 or a 20 by 20, they know that the price to get all the goods in to that is going to be a price. And they know that uh, up front, no matter how much it, it weighs and, and how much it takes and how many people and all that stuff. So they, 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 they really are more prepared for it and they understand what they're getting into uh, much earlier in, instead of finding out later after the show that they just got nickel and dimed and they, they have a lot of resentment about this. That, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. And so NAB Cares actually came at the end of all the solutions because not only was it important for exhibitors to, for us to have these new solutions and these new rates, but exhibitors need to understand them. They need to understand the implications. Their exhibitor appointed contractors need to understand them and understand the implications. And, and we're not done. We've only right. just started, you know, we're working on internet, we're working on catering, we're working on, and so we needed a vehicle and a way to communicate in a, in a more formal way with the exhibitors, and that became NAB Show Cares. And so NAB Show Cares is really a big service. It's one of the international exhibitors came up to me, and, and you know, I tell this story is that because I've always been a general contractor from, from my history, my family history, you know, when I sit on a plane, if, if somebody would say, oh, what do you do? And I say, oh, well, I'm a general service contractor. And you're, oh, you those people that charge for this, that, and the other thing. And you know, they like look for another seat. You know, they try to move away from me, but luckily now they can't anymore because there's no extra seats. But, right. but literally we got a standing ovation from the exhibitor advisory committee because, and this international exhibitor came up to me and he said, oh my God, what you are doing, it's so amazing. You listen to the exhibitors, you ask us questions, you get the data and then you come up with solutions. This is awesome. I, you know, and, and so, and really it's that simple, you know, really we are very much what NAB show cares is doing. And what I think the big takeaway here is that they're listening to their exhibitors and they're listening to their exhibitor appointed contractors and they are creating, they're working in partnership with their suppliers and contractors and, and driving their partners to be very innovative and come up with, new solutions and NAB cares is sort of the envelope that goes around all that to make sure that the exhibitors and the exhibitor appointed contractors understand. They know, you know, you would think that that $3 and 85 cents a net square foot for material handling would be the easiest thing you'd ever want to implement. Well, it wasn't, you know, that hotline, you know, that hotline rang and, and exhibitors, 
you know, probably a third of the exhibitors um, pay more. You know, there's probably the smaller exhibitors, there's a lot of them. And so they maybe didn't pay anything before and now they're paying more. And probably a third of the exhibitors are paying way less and a third of the exhibitors are paying somewhat less, you know, or equal to what they were before, but all of them have an easier experience. And that hotline, making sure that the exhibitors understood that, and then also helping the NAB sales team understand all the impl implications for it. And we literally calculated when exhibitors would come up to us and say, this is what I spent last year, and we had all the data, so we could say to them, hey, here's what you spent last year, here's, here's what your order is now. Under the new system, this is what you would pay, and this is how it'll work. And, it, you know, but it, it took a lot of conversation. I bet. And a lot of education. Did you get any pushback from vendors? Uh, did they find that they were going to get less out of this whole thing? Or, or what was the, the con that, that, those conversations like? It, it, vendors in terms of, you, you mean like the general? Like the, the suppliers, the general contractors, the yeah. EAC. Yeah, so actually, actually, that kind yeah. of went both ways. Um, so uh, uh, the, uh, in the RFP process, because we defined it, everybody knew what they were up for. You know, so if they bid, which most people bid, they knew what they were in for. And, and actually, I was really one of the surprising things to me in the process was how innovative the individual respondents were. Now, we ultimately ended up staying with the same contractor um, that's been in place because they very much stepped up and did everything that NAB needed them to do for their exhibitors in, in the process. And they have always done a good job operationally. So, um, but everybody who was part of that process knew what they were getting into when they got into it. And it did require them, each of the bids were sent out individually. So they had to think about each one really separately. And, 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 and again, that process went really well and I was really quite surprised by how innovative everyone was. I did get a few phone calls, I will have to say in all fairness, from the exhibitor advisor, the exhibitor appointed contractor community, because I got to answer the call, some of the calls that came in on the NAB CARES hotline. Right. And there were a few exhibitor appointed contractors. Actually, I'll give you one, I'm not going to say who it was, but I will say that one exhibitor appointed contractor said, hey, you know, we make our money, we make more money off of our upcharge on the services than we actually do on providing the service. Now, I don't think that's what every exhibitor appointed contractor does, and I will tell you that I think that most exhibitor appointed contractors want these services to be fixed so that exhibitors will spend their money on more space, on more marketing, on better displays, on uh, engagement, on things that make the show better, because that's the whole reason that we're doing all this. But, but there were a few exhibitor appointed contractors that were mad because they could no longer make, let's say, 25% right. on material handling charges. So was this implemented last year, 2018? Is this, That was the first year? We implemented it for the booth sales price. So, so because this was really implemented, the material handling portion of it was implemented at the time the space is sold. We implemented that on the NAB 2018 show okay. for 2019. So operationally, and what exhibitors actually do and how they respond and, and we'll all, we'll, we're measuring that and we'll have good statistics on all that at the end of the 2019 show. I, I will tell you that in general, the, the response to the material handling, because that's really the only one that's a given now, because they know exactly what that is, they know exactly whether that's gonna increase their cost or decrease their cost, 
is really been very, very, very positive. And the number of complaints that we received or concerns is, is way in the minority to, mm -hmm. as compared to, you know, the people that are just over the top excited. I mean, we have people call and say, is this really true? And then the other things that we're implementing, we'll actually see on Chose. And we're, we're also implementing things. We've had several meetings with the unions and we, our, our goal is to over, um, over time involve them in our exhibitor care program and that make them part of the solution because some of the concerns are in where do the jurisdictions lie and what can an exhibitor point a contractor do versus an exhibitor versus, versus the union versus an exclusive. So where we're going to work very closely with the unions as we continue to go forward in terms of really continuing to work to ease the experience. A lot of the things that we did in the beginning are price driven and are, you know, they, they attacked the biggest points of pain, but there's a lot of other things that we got through the data that are softer. And we have a whole list, we call it our um, rules roadmap, where we identified, you know, what the rule is, whether or not it's in a union contractor or it's a business or operating rule and who owns that rule. You know, is it the building? Is it the contractor? Is it the union? Like, and so we're in the process of working through each of those and bringing all those entities together so that we can continue to debunk the myths and, and get after like, you know, what really can and cannot be done here. So, so, you know, to NAB 2019 is really just the beginning. And this is not really just about a drayage price per square foot. Lots of people have done drayage prices per square foot before. It's, that's really nothing new. It's, it's more the way that NAB is going about this and how they're listening specifically to their exhibitors it, that, and how they're following it up with the NAB CARES program that I think is really unique because they're making sure it continues. So the the NAB Show Cares is something obviously ongoing, and you're going to find out more after the 2019 show, which is uh, April in Vegas. Is that correct? correct? Okay. So you'll you'll digest all that stuff afterward. Do you think that in the future this whole program can lay over onto other shows, uh, or would that have to start on other shows from scratch and do all the data examination with them, or do you, are you going to find out a lot of stuff that's similar? I'm just curious what you feel what, about what that. I what I think is smart. Do does every show need to go through the data? an interview process to the extent that NAB does, did? No, I don't think they do. But do I think that every show should understand, you know, they know how many hotel rooms they're using. They know, they know a lot of data about their shows on the attendee side of the equation. They do not know enough about their shows on the exhibitor side of the equation. So I honestly think that they should know that. And once, one of the reasons it's hard the first time is because they're not gathering that data. Right. You know, it's not hard for us now. That whole data gathering process doesn't take, we, we still do that for NAB. And, and, you know, hopefully they'll have us continue to do that unless they decide to do it on their own, which they really could. And, and we're gathering that data for them every year. But once it's gathered and once you have the suppliers kind of all on the program and it's in a process, that becomes a much smaller project. But in the beginning, when you have no data, it's a big project. So, it sounds like it. Yeah. I do think I do think show organizers should go through the process of of collecting that data. Do they need to go to the extent that NAB did? Probably not. The other thing I'll tell you is I don't know that you can just take every show is so different. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, so what you do for Pack Expo, Pack Expo has been doing this for years. You know, so what you do for Pack Expo is not necessarily what you would do for NAB, and it's not necessarily you know. 
we're having a lot of conversations right now about internet and bandwidth and I've learned more about internet than I ever thought I ever wanted to know, you know, and, and you could talk to PAC Expo and PAC Expo maybe doesn't, isn't as concerned about internet as NAB is because NAB is moving video and huge files and tons of data through that the internet and and so there's just not enough bandwidth to do what they want to do in real time and show their products and services the way they want to and they have a ton of trust pack expo has tons of machines and equipment and and you know they care a lot about riggers and and all kind of things that nab doesn't so are there commonalities you know will you look at a show and say okay these four services rose to the top yeah probably yeah. you know can you implement the exact same solutions Probably not, because it also depends on how much is the show organizer willing to invest back into the show and how much are they willing to pay for, you know, their services and are they delivering the attendees that the exhibitors want? And, you know, what is the ROI on that show in, in general? All those things, all those things come into play, but I think what's important and what's cool with what NAB did is they're playing with all those variables now. from from you know the point of sale all the way through to shipping their you know the exhibitors equipment home NAB is trying to help influence and make that experience the best it can be yeah we've been speaking with BJ Enright of Trade Show Logic about the program that uh, her company helps manage uh, NAB Show Cares uh, it's really great to learn about it this is yeah, as you put it, it may be transformative and we'll see what happens over the next few years and how it affects and impacts other shows and how it plays out as well at NAB. It'll be fascinating to follow that. So uh, thank you very much for spending your, your time and, and sharing all of what you've learned. And we, you. You know, we could probably go on for hours about this, I'm sure. I could anyway. Okay. All right, BJ, thank you once again. Uh, for joining. So people can find you online where? What's the, what's the best uh, place? Well, we're at www.traytologic.com. Okay. And then uh, if, you, if they want to go to NAB, they should go to www.nab.com. Uh, Actually, nab.org, I think, is the right way to go. Or just type in NAB Show 2019 and you'll get there. And uh, right. there's great exhibitor blogs there for information on the different services we're doing. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. And thanks again to BJ Enright of Trade Show Logic for helping us dig deep into the NAB Show Cares program and sharing a lot of great things about how that program came about. I'm curious to see, as I mentioned to her, how this will develop over the next few years and maybe uh, spread more industry-wide. Uh, really good stuff there. This week's trade show tip comes uh, kind of from the conversation I just had with BJ, and that is to know and understand the various costs that you'll be liable for as an exhibitor before you get too far down the road, you know. Uh, ask questions about material handling, about the electrical services you'll specifically need and how much it'll cost, about sign rigging if you use it, if you use internet, uh, what will it cost to rent flooring, have the exhibit set up. Uh, you know, the more you know ahead of time, the better off you'll be in assembling an accurate budget for the show. Almost nothing worse than getting back from the show and finding out that you're liable for a lot of additional costs and you feel like you've been nickeled and dimed and you weren't anticipating that as all at all. So... Let's wrap up this week's Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee, the first of the new year with one good thing, which I've been doing for a couple of years. I'm trying to identify one good thing. Either it's a you know, program, a book, an app, or something I just think about. Well, I don't know. I've been doing so much stuff old school lately. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight old school, the way of doing things old school uh, as, as this week's one good thing. To me, it's things like listening to music from cassettes or vinyl albums instead of digitally. Not that I don't listen to music digitally. I do, but... 
Uh, I like cassettes. I like vinyl albums. Uh, so I listen to a lot. That's kind of old school. Uh, you know, maybe walking 10 blocks instead of calling Uber. That's, that's kind of old school or riding your bike. Or doing math by longhand or using your head instead of using the calculator function on your phone. I'm just trying to think of a couple things that would be old school. Uh, by old school, I mean by recognizing the things that our society did that are somewhat, uh, you know, passing out of favor, passing out of fashion and being taken over by new versions and new ways of doing things. I mean, most of the new ways are good, but a lot of old school stuff is good, too. I mean, it doesn't always apply. Like, when was the last time you saw someone wear a stovepipe hat, right? Or ride their horse and buggy to the coffee shop. But, you know, those are really old school. Uh, but old school, in many cases, is good. So if you're going old school on anything, I admire you for it and I commend you for it. I'm going to go put on an album and listen to both sides as soon as I close this show down. And we'll see you next week on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Have yourself a great week. <laughs>